Welcome to the Magic on the Inside podcast by the Sisters Enchanted, where we chat magic, hot topics, personal development, and good old-fashioned life. Brew up something delicious and sit with us for a spell. Welcome to episode three of our Magic on the Inside podcast. I'm Sarah, founder of the Sisters Enchanted, and I am bringing you our next installment of our Every Day, which is making everyday magic series. And today we are talking to community member Sharon Overschmidt, who was born and raised in the granny witchcraft tradition. Uh, in this episode, she tells us many stories about her childhood and talks about what it's like for her um, finding her path again and going home, so to speak, into the tradition. So sit back and listen in as Sharon talks to us about her upbringing in Granny Witchcraft. Hello and welcome to the third installment of our Everyday Witches Making Everyday magic um, episodes here with our podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, our visual podcast, Magic on the Inside by the Sisters Enchanted. I'm Sarah, founder of the Sisters Enchanted. And I am chatting today with somebody I'm really excited to talk to. This is Sharon Overschmidt, if I'm Overschmidt, I believe I'm pronouncing it right. Sharon from St. Louis here in the U.S., and Sharon has an amazing uh, lineage and history and all sorts of cool stuff to talk to us about uh, in regards to being an everyday witch, making everyday magic. So Sharon, um, so hello, welcome. Hi. <laughs> Sharon. Hi, everybody in the group. I don't, I don't ever get online, you know, with my face. I'm, I'm, I'm Typer. <laughs> Sharon is, you can find her um, currently in our Enchanted Journey group. She's also um, in the, the big free Facebook group, I'm assuming, you know, hanging out there. So Sharon, real quick, in a nutshell, do you want to tell us about you? Who, who are you um, kind of what brings you to the, the this magical part of the internet? Anything, anything like that? Um, well, I grew up in the Appalachian Mountains in Virginia, um, in the southwestern part of the state. Uh, very rugged country, and very what my husband calls backwoods, and so far backwoods that you're coming out the other side of the mountain. <laughs> like <laughs> way, way back when you go to where we live, um, and. I knew that where I grew up was kind of odd and 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 behind the times, um, but it was not something that I ever really thought of as we were poor or we were destitute or anything like that. That's just the way we lived. Mm -hmm. that's, that's all I ever knew. Um, it wasn't until I think I was maybe 13 or 14 when we got indoor plumbing in our house. And um, yeah, we had an outhouse, no running water. We took baths in a wash tub. Um, in the living room with water heated on the wood stove. And um, when we finally got uh, indoor plumbing and carpet in our house, I thought we were living high on the hog. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I was the first kid in, oh, actually I was the first person in my family to graduate from high school. Um, I think my grandparents could read enough uh, to read their paychecks and their, make their grocery list. And that's about it. And maybe a little bit of the Bible. Um, but other than that, you know, that education was not a real high priority where we lived. Everything was living off the land and, you know, growing your own food, hunting your own food and 
you know, you never went to a doctor, you never went to town for anything other than flour and sugar that you couldn't get at home. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very backwards lifestyle. Um, and then I met a man and I got married and I moved to the city. <laughs> that was a culture shock for me, <laughs> a major culture shock. But I've been in St. Louis for 20 years now and it still does not feel like home. I mean, it's, this is a weird place to me. You know, even What's now, really like, interesting, Sharon, is, um, and obviously you don't have to tell us like your age or anything, but if you're not listening, if you're listening on the podcast, you don't get to see Sharon right now. So I'm looking at Sharon and Sharon, um, I, my grandmother has a similar story. She didn't get plumbing until she was 16, but my grandmother is in her eighties. You are not in your eighties. So for you to not have indoor plumbing and things like that until a teenager, like that is just. I'm like mind blowing to me right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 46. So I've only had indoor plumbing for 33 years. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm like looking at you and I'm like, that is not the same as my grandmother telling this story. <laughs> yeah. I've had indoor plumbing for 33 years. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so, that's so amazing. So you sent me when I, I asked you, I met you on this through the sisters enchanted. And then I think, um, like you would email me something I emailed you and somehow came out that you had this, uh, this granny witchcraft Appalachian magic background. And I was like, you have got to share that with the people. And now fast forward months later doing this podcast, I thought of you right away, emailed you again and said, you have to share this with the people. And, um, just the email you sent me had so much good information in it. So, so what do you think is, the biggest difference between like what you see in in everyday magic right now versus what you know to be everyday magic like what does everyday magic look like for you because it's really different than what a lot of us are kind of learning or getting used to right, right. um you know and i kind of sit back and i and i don't i don't i don't mean this to be mean to people or or people to think you know that what they're doing is wrong because it's not this is the way I was raised. We were poor people. We didn't have, you know, access to a lot of things. Um, you know, so the, the tools that I use are things that are in my house. There are things that my grandmother gave me or my great grandmother gave me. There are things that they used that were everyday items. Um, you know, probably the biggest differences in, in what I know growing up and what how I was raised and what I see on the internet and on television and that kind of thing is that our magic looks nothing like what you see on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, we don't, uh, if you want, I can just kind of go through some of the different. Yeah, you just talked. I'm fascinated. So I'm just going to listen to you. <laughs> okay. So I have show and tell items. Yeah. <laughs> I have lots. Tell um, us all about it. Okay, so probably one of the biggest things that I hear people, you know, people kind of get up in arms sometimes about they need their ceremonial knife or they need their ceremonial acne or, or, or whatever, however you mm -hmm. say that word. I didn't know what that word was until about two years ago when I actually started researching Appalachian history and the Appalachian culture and, and found out that what we do is actually considered granny witchcraft or granny magic. And I had never even thought of that. I've never heard of that. I mean, we just didn't, we had old women that we called grannies that weren't our grandmothers, but we never called them witches. And it was not something that was a, a common word where we lived. This was just our everyday life. Mm -hmm. um, 
But to get back to acames or knives, um, I have one here that is what is considered the standard. It is a dull bladed on both sides. You can't cut yourself with it with a black handle. This is my letter opener. <laughs> I never use this for anything except opening letters. One of my bosses gave this to me, I don't know, 15 years ago when I was a computer programmer <laughs> with a nice ink pen to match. I don't know what happened to the ink pen, but I managed to keep the letter opener. <laughs> what I actually use in everyday life is this. It's a pocket knife. This was my grandfather's pocket knife. This is what I use for any ceremony, ceremonial magic that I do that requires a knife. I don't cut myself with it. I have, but I try not to. <laughs> um, but one of the things that, you know, it's a tradition in our family that it doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl, your grandfather always gives you a knife, a pocket knife. And um, he might have gone broke in our family because he had 10 kids and I think 47 grandchildren. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so there was a so lot of us. I think he was buying pocket knives <laughs> every time he went to town. But, right. But so, yeah, this is the, the pocket knife is, is my ceremonial knife. This is what I use for carving whatever I need to carve, whether it's a piece of wood, a candle, uh, cutting a piece of paper, you know, anything like that. Anything that I need to do cutting with, I use my pocket knife that my grandfather gave me. And um, I love that because it's so much more, um, there's so much more history and enchantment and love in that than there right. is something that you just pick up at. The, you know, and, I, and I think that's, that's what, you know, people always, you know, they kind of look for an implement that calls to them. But in, in our culture, your implements are gifted to you. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what you use for your magic came from someone else who used magic. Um, a lot of the things that I have, one of the favorites that people are going to love, and I never use these because I can't get the corks out of them, <laughs> are these tiny little bottles that were my great-great-grandmother's. I have no idea what she kept in these little bottles, but I love them. They um, are, yeah. When um, she was getting older... You know, she had shelves of these little bitty bottles with, with herbs and stuff in them, and she just handed them out to everybody in the family. She would give each of the grandkids a couple of them, and, you know, and things would just get passed down. Um, you know, uh, some of the other things that I got were candle holders. These are glass candle holders from the 60s, I think, mm -hmm. uh, that were my great-grandmothers, or my grandmothers, my grandmothers. And... Um, <laughs> These were just things that she used. You know, she put her candles in here. She'd light up her candles. You know, she would do her prayers. And then, you know, she would just go on about her business. But, um, you know, these were all things that were gifted to us, yeah. you know, whenever someone would pass away or, or they would find another use for something else. And they would say, oh, here, you just take that. I don't need that anymore. Um, and sometimes it would be something as simple as, you know, my grandmother would sometimes say, well, this isn't working for me. You take it. Yeah. You'll have better luck with it than I will. You know, so there's lots of little things like that. Um, one of the strange things, you know, people always think they have to have a mortar and pestle mm -hmm. to, to grind their herbs and that kind of stuff. We didn't have mortars and pestles. Uh, we used our table and a rolling pin. 
<laughs> and you know, that's what you ground your mortars and pestles with. And then we had one of these little weird polished brushes. It's like for shoe polish, except you never polished your shoes with this one. Um, and this is what my granny would sweep her herbs off into her little bowl with from the table to make sure that she got all of her little oh wow bits and pieces and you know of herbs and things. So this was gifted to me when she passed away. Um, so I mean, I've got lots of little weird trinkets, you know that. <laughs> Well, did somebody said recently that the witchcraft is the religion of tchotchkes? Yes. <laughs> Stuff. Um, my spoon, my special spoon. My grandmother always told me you have to have a spoon with your initial on it. And so it's hard to find spoons with your initials on them. Mm -hmm. um, old spoons in thrift stores is about the only place you can find them without having to buy an entire set. Although I think maybe you can go to replacements, LTD or something like that, and you might yeah. be able to find some. But this one, I don't know if you can see it or not, but it has an S on it. I do see it, yeah. This is what I mix my teas, my tinctures, anything I have to stir with gets stirred with this spoon with my initial on it. Um, but, so when you were growing up, did any, did like, is this, did anybody ever stop and say like, you use this herb for this, do this, or was it just, did you just, like learn by just the way you lived, like how we learn to walk and talk. Um, it's just very much how we lived. I mean, it, you know, it was never, it was never, all right, today we're going to learn how to do this. It was something happened and we need this, <laughs> you know, um, you know, like, um, you know, like the salve for bee stings, you know, that my grandmother used to make where she would take, uh, baking soda and uh, vinegar and she would just pour it in a bowl and then, you know, make a paste out of it and rub it on your arm when you mm -hmm. get stung by a bee, you know, I mean, it was little simple things like that. Um, you know, if we had an upset stomach, it was, you know, go outside and pick peppermint out of the garden. You know, you know, everybody knew where the peppermint was in the garden. Go pick peppermint in the garden, bring it in. Don't get me any leaves with little black marks on them. <laughs> you take the bugs off, you know, kind of stuff. And, you know, I mean, it was just kind of the way we lived, you know, and it wasn't just my grandmother. We got it from our grandfather and my dad, too, because we were, they were hunters. And so, you know, they did a lot of ginseng, you know, we did a lot of animal hunting, but then we also did a lot of plant hunting. Uh, ginseng was really popular um, source of income where I grew up. Um, and so we had, we had ginseng farms in our mountains in, you know, where we lived. Um, and then they're not planted like in rows or anything. They grow wild and you cultivate it and you take a little piece off of it and you plant it somewhere else and just keep it growing and then you can harvest. But my dad did that for years. I mean, that's how we made our income. That and coon hunting, um, we raised coon dogs and hunted coons or raccoons is what most people would call them. Yep. <laughs> And um, we sold the pelts, and um, that was another source of income for us. Um, my mom and dad did not get their GED or their college degrees until they were in their 30s. Um, mm -hmm. I was almost graduated from high school before my parents actually had a diploma of sorts. Um, so, I mean, everything we did was just kind of 1850s style, you know, I mean, you know, we were, we were that far back. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, but I mean, I, it was weird going to town. Um, 
you know, we had one car for, or yeah, we had one car. My dad did have a truck that he would borrow occasionally if we needed to pick stuff up. But you know, to go to town was a huge deal. I mean, it was, and you know, I would just kind of sit there and look out the window like that lady has on a nice dress. That's a pretty dress, and I'm thinking I haven't had a new dress in. I can't remember when I had a new dress. My mom made my clothes. Yeah, have store bought clothes was a was something I didn't have until I was in high school. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, a lot of the things you know, my grandmother's taught me how to sew. My grandmother's taught me how to cook. Um, they taught me how to clean the house. You know, they taught me all the little weird things. Um, in our family, we have, uh, you know, they're so far back in the woods that, you know, it's one of those roads that the grass grows in the middle of the road because there's no, nobody goes back there except family. Yeah. You know, so it's just not a very well-traveled place. And, and everybody lives on the same road, you know. I mean, like, I grew up with my grandmother and my great-grandmother, you know, three or four doors down from me. My aunts and uncles all lived on the same road that we lived on, um, you know. So I mean, it wasn't so much that we didn't worry about, you know, people coming to steal us or or being abducted, you know, by a stranger or anything like that, because we knew when people were coming, yeah, up in our little hollow, because there was no, there was nobody came up there unless they were a friend of the family. So, you know, I mean, we we were given free reign. To just take off and go anywhere we wanted in the mountains and do whatever we wanted as long as we were back home for dinner you know and you know i would go down to my grandmother's house and she would probably the first time i remember her telling me anything was i was probably about seven or eight years old and i came stomping in her front door mad as a hornet or something and she just looked at me and she said, you will not walk into this house with that sour attitude. And she handed me a basket and she said, you march your little butt right up that side of that mountain and don't you come back until you've got a better attitude. You go talk to the trees. I don't want to see you until you have your head, head sorted out and everything back on straight. And so she would send me out into the woods, you know, a seven-year-old kid, you know. <laughs> And I would go traipsing up. I could still see the house a little bit, you know, and I'd just go traipsing through the woods and I would sit there and I, sometimes I'd scream, sometimes I'd get mad, sometimes I'd throw fits and punch the tree or kick the tree. But then eventually I'd get tired and I'd sit down and I'd start looking at all the stuff around me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd pick up an acorn or I'd pick up a seed or I'd pick up, you know, whatever it was that caught my eye and I would take it back and I would say, Mama, what's this? Or Mama, what's that? And so that's when my education started, really, was then she started telling me, you know, this is, this is what this is used for, and this is what that's used for. And, you know, so we would kind of, she would kind of take me out in the garden and teach me a few things, and then we would go traipsing through the woods and learn, you know, the different kinds of trees and the different kinds of plants, and you don't eat lily of the valley, and you don't, <laughs> you leave the foxglove alone, you know. Um, you know, and moonflowers are really pretty, but you don't eat those either because they're poisonous, you know. <laughs> you know, but I mean, she had all this stuff growing in her garden. Mm -hmm. So I knew that there were medicinal purposes for these things, but I also knew that they were very dangerous if you didn't know how to prepare them properly. Um, you know, so I mean, there were, 
you know, we grew chamomile to make tea. We grew sunflowers and we grew uh, daisies and dandelions. We made lots of dandelion wine, um, which can get you really drunk if you do. <laughs> And we also had still. So, you know, I mean, it was, you know, we just kind of had this weird conglomeration of just whatever it was that we needed. My grandmothers knew where to find it. They knew where to get it, you know, and, and they had enough knowledge. And I don't know if it was leftover knowledge from, I mean, I'm sure it was knowledge from their grandparents and, and people before them, but a lot of it was from the locals that, that live there, you know, they would, we would have kind of like, it's kind of weird because it's not really a Highlands game, although Virginia does now have a Highlands festival, mm -hmm. but it's a Scottish festival of games, and our family has always done that, but just with family members, and oh. we would have like our little family reunion, we would all get together, and we would have all these fun and games, and then we would have all this work that we would have to do afterwards, <laughs> you know, like it was time to make molasses and it was time to make the apple butter and it was time to cut the corn and, you know, and it was always in the fall and, and time to butcher the hogs and put those away. But it was during those things, you know, when we were doing all of those things that little bits and pieces of the craft would pop out, you know, it would be in the ceremonies for, you know, when we butchered the hogs. You know, my grandmother had her big, um, I mean, we had cauldrons. I just didn't know that that's what they were called. <laughs> but that's what we had that we rendered the fat in, you mm -hmm. know, from the pigs. And when she would start those fires, you know, she would always say a blessing over her fires. And then she would say a blessing over her pots. And then she would, she would bless the animals and she would bless the men who were butchering the animals, you know. And, and all of that stuff, you know, would just keep. Every year it was the same, and every year, you know, one of us girls would learn how to do it. Um, you know, you know, because Granny would say, "Okay, it's your turn this year. Yeah, you, it's your turn to do the blessing." You know, so that's kind of how we we learned to do it. I am probably the only granddaughter in the family that still even remotely acknowledges this as as old world and our old witchcraft and, and, you know, stuff that our family brought from Scotland. Um, you know, we're, our family has been in Virginia since like the 1720s. So, you know, we've got this weird conglomeration of old world mm -hmm. knowledge and rituals and, and cultural beliefs, and then changing all that to fit into a new lifestyle in the Americas and then add in all the native American people that live there. So, you know, it, it's, there's some things in our family that's very Native American. There's some things in our family that's very Scottish. And then there's some things in our family that we don't know where it came from. It's probably just my weird aunt that did it. You know what I mean? Um, but it's stuff that we carried on just because yeah. it, was, it was family. It was tradition. And we never wrote anything down. We didn't have... A book of shadows um, and I think that's probably the biggest problem with learning about the Appalachian culture and granny witches is because everything was an oral history mm -hmm. and when a member of that history died 
whatever they didn't pass on died with them. Um, yeah. And I have a friend that I went to high school with who is a professor of sociology who studies the Appalachian culture and granny witches and the, the, the women who practice that. Um, and it's, it's kind of sad, you know, because even in the last 20 years, you know, when I go back and visit my mom and my dad and my, my aunts and uncles, there's such an influx of technology there now, you know, everybody has indoor plumbing, everybody has running, everybody has internet yeah now so i mean even things that we used to do like they no longer have family reunions you know so you know that's one of the things that i think has been lost with technology is that everybody stays so connected on the internet now that there's no reason to get together and have you know that annual family reunion where we did the traditions you know nobody butchers hogs anymore um I have one uncle that still has a farm. Um, my mom and dad sold their farm. They're, they're part of the farm. I think when I was 19, when I moved out of the house um, and got married, they, they sold their part of the farm and, you know, got jobs. My dad became an electrical engineer and my mom a school teacher and they moved to town. Yeah, we have my, my grandmother. So she's, she's only 80. We have a young, my mom had me when she was young. My mom was her oldest sister my grandmother was a teenager when she had her but my grandmother she just turned 80 she's from Kentucky and her story is kind of similar my grandmother she didn't have indoor plumbing until she left home when she was 16 had her first child I think like right she might have just been 18 if she might not have even been 18 yet and um, eventually got a GED but my grandmother grew up um, the same thing they ate like whatever was growing in the yard, <laughs> whatever they grew themselves or like, you know, in a bad season, she'll tell the story that they literally like, they would use, like they had like this one season where there was all onions growing or like the onion stalks and the cows were eating them. And then like the milk just tasted like onions and so everything they ate was like onion. And anyway, she tells this story, but she, whenever I ask her now about anything, that's not, it's like the minute that she ran off that farm, she was just like done. She just yeah. took the she took the axe to it and it was done. And she um she I mean they were all birthed at home next to a wood stove, dirt floor, the whole shebang. And she will not she's like she's just anti everything that's not not new, you know. She, she's like, We have hospitals, you go to a hospital, you don't, what is it? Right. right. We think that's one of the things that I think that happens to us. Yeah. You know, because you know, you realize, and I mean, and this was something that I knew whenever I was growing up that I lived differently than the kids I went to school with. Mm -hmm. I knew it. You know, I mean, I mean, it's, it's obvious when you ride a school bus and you see kids, <laughs> you know, getting out of houses that have, you know, double pane windows and, yeah. you know, they have carpet, you know, and they have paved driveways and they have more than one car, you know, and it's, you know, and hearing them talk about it, you know, like I would always, I had a friend, Amy, and I would go spend the night with her once or twice a month, maybe. And to me, that was a big deal because she had a television, <laughs> she had cable TV, she had MTV. <laughs> I learned about MTV. I had no idea what MTV was until I went to her house. She had carpet and she had a bathroom that you didn't have to go outside to use. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I knew those things were there, and I think whenever I, whenever I left home when I was 26, when I moved away from Virginia, 
Um, you know, my husband then, you know, when I brought him to meet my family, I think he was really shocked, um, you know, to, to see where we lived and how we lived and, you know, what my grandparents' house was like, you know, and, but now he's kind of like, you know, you know, he likes everybody. He, he's, yeah. you know, he, he thinks it's just a weird quirky thing about my family. And, um, you know, but when I moved to St. Louis, when I moved in with him, I mean, I, I severed ties to everything. Yeah. Um, it was probably during that first 10 years that, I mean, I was absolutely miserable because I didn't, and I didn't know why, because I had followed the man I loved. I moved in, you know, we got married, we moved to St. Louis where he was from and, you know, and everything was new and exciting. I'd never been to a big city before. I'd never been, you know, I'd never actually lived someplace where you could, the grocery store is two blocks from my house, not 27 miles, <laughs> you know, and I had never lived with that kind of convenience. And I just, it was a, it was a major culture shock. And now that I'm getting older and my kids are raised and I find myself going back to my old ways, even though I still live in the city, I've started growing my own food again. I've started planting all of my herbs and stuff back in my gardens. I've started doing canning food that my grandmother taught me how to can. I've started making my own medicines again, you know, things that I need, you know, when my, when my husband has strep throat, he gets lemon balm tea and a splash of honey in it just to soothe his throat so he can, you know, swallow to eat, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's what I, I've, over the last five years, that's all I've been doing is just kind of going back to what my roots were. And the really strange thing about all of that and, and what actually got me started in doing this hunt for my new life and, and my new me, which is actually just my old me, Yep. <laughs> was when my grandmother was dying, we had gone to Virginia and um, to see her. And when we, she, we knew she had cancer, we didn't know how much longer she had to live. And so we went to visit and as I was leaving to go to come home to St. Louis, the last day that I saw her there, I, I walked into her bedroom, she was laying in the bed and, and she gave me a hug and she gave me a kiss and she said, because my family always said, when are you coming home? When are you coming back? And it's not some place I ever thought I would ever go back to. And my grandmother says, you will come home. It just might not be here. And I didn't know what that meant. I just got chills. <laughs> and, you know, so um, three months later, she passed away. And I mean, I had never really thought about that. You know, I, I, I mean, that was the last thing she ever said to me. You will come home. It might not be here, but you will come home. And anyway, so I was sitting... I don't know, one night just kind of reading Appalachian history kind of stuff and, and going through all that stuff. And when I started researching the history of Appalachia, that's when I realized that what we did was actually witchcraft mm -hmm. and, and that we were a weird bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because standing on the outside looking in, then I could see, then I could see that what we were doing wasn't just our way of life. It was our culture. It was our tradition. And we didn't see it because we lived it. Yeah. 
but being on the outside and looking in, you know, I could look at what my mom did. I could look at what my grandmother did. I could look at what all my aunts and my cousins and, you know, all these strange people running around in the mountains doing all these weird little goofy things that people would just look at you and roll their eyes and think, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> and I would, and that's when I realized that that was, our tradition, those were our traditions, you know, they, those were things that we didn't know why we did them, we just did them, you know. Um, probably one of the weirdest things I ever experienced um, was when my great, my great grandmother's sister passed away, and I was probably maybe 10 or 12, I went to my first and only wake in a house not in a funeral home. And we actually brought all the food that we needed. You know, every family member brought food to the house. We covered all the wind we covered all of the mirrors with black cloths. We opened up windows in the room where we had the body laid out. Um, we had the back door was open and the front door stayed open the entire time. And I remember asking my grandmother why, you know, because it was cold. Mm -hmm. Why do we have the doors and the windows open? It's freezing in this house. And she explained to me, we can't close the doors. We can't close the windows. We have to cover the mirrors because when your Aunt Concy passed away, we don't want her to be stuck here. We don't want her to see her reflection in the mirror and think that she has to stay here. You know, we don't want her to not be able to find her way out of the house, so we leave the doors open, and everybody walks out the door every, you know, every once in a while. Because it, I always thought it was kind of weird because my grand, my great grandmother would go outside in the yard and she would say her name. She would say, "Constance, come here. Constance, come here," and that was that was their way of calling the spirit out of the house so that they didn't have a haunted house. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So I mean, it was. It was kind of weird stuff like that. And, you know, and then after my grandmother died, you know, and she died at home, I called my aunt and I said, did you have a wake in Granny's house before you called the funeral home? And, and she said, yes, we did. We don't want her staying here. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, so I mean, there, there are a couple of people in our family that still kind of do some of the little things. Yeah. Not, they don't stay in it, but. On my, about my Aunt Constance, one of the things she loved to do, she was a card player, and she would get, I mean, she loved to gamble, and she loved to play pinochle, and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, and she was good at it. <laughs> but when she passed away, I have had these pencils for years, since I was eight. They are tiny little card pencils for keeping score. I don't know if you can see. Oh this. yeah. Yeah. So that one has a club on it and this one has a heart on it. Yeah. And they're full graphite pencils with paint on the outside of them. These are what I use to write my intentions. And I have never sharpened them in 33 years. They're still the same. So I've, I'm afraid to sharpen them. So right. if I ever wear them down, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I love those little pencils. So, you know, I have, and that's what I'm, that's what I want people to understand is it doesn't matter where you get your things from. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what tools you have. 
what matters is how you use them and why you use them and why they were given to you or why they were called to you, you know, why you were called to them. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it part of the magic is you have to have the connection to your items, to your tools in order for your tools to work for you. You know, you know, just grabbing a knife out of the kitchen drawer doesn't have the same meaning as picking up my grandfather's pocket knife. Mm -hmm. you know, or writing my intentions on a piece of paper doesn't have the same feeling for me using an ink pen as it does using my Aunt Constance's gambling pencils. You know? <laughs> <laughs> to me, that, that has, you know, when I'm... So much abundance. That's what she always said. I'm making my luck. So when I'm making my luck, I'm writing it with her lucky pencil. Yeah. So, you know, it's those kind of things that, that pull the magic into you so that you can give the magic back. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I think, I think people forget that, you know, it's not about what you have. It's what you do with what's inside of you. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that, 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 that's really kind of odd that my grandmother used to do was prayer cloths. Um, and that's the other thing for those that people that think that you can't have religion and witchcraft at the same time. That's, that's bunk. That's BS. My grandmother was an ordained minister and a granny witch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she would do, she would do prayer cloths for people. She would get them to bring, you know, like if, if a, if a, like when my cousin's husband went off to war, she told Sabrina, bring me one of Warren's shirts. And so Sabrina would bring Granny one of Warren's shirts. Granny would cut a square out of his shirt. She would bless it. She would consecrate it. She would put her intentions into that piece of cloth. And then she would give it back to Sabrina and tell her, you pray with this cloth every day that he comes home safe. And she did. I mean, and he did, you know, <laughs> that's, you know, but she did that with everybody. You know, it didn't matter if it was somebody down the road, somebody that went to church with her, or if it was somebody in town that just happened to have something bad happen, you know, they would say, well, call, you know, go call on Stella. Stella will give you a, Stella will help you. Stella will get you a prayer club. Stella will help you with whatever it is that you need. And that's one of the things that she did for her community was even though, you know, she, to outsiders, it was a simple prayer cloth, but to her, that was a magical item. That was something that, you know, people could carry it in their Bible and nobody would think twice about it. Mm -hmm. And people could put it in their purse and it wasn't something that, you know, was obviously glaring that this was witchcraft. And I think, I can't remember who it was that was traveling a few months ago in our group. And she was talking about how her family was always, she was visiting family and she was always at odds with what was going yeah. on. And she couldn't get herself grounded back in, you know, and feeling safe and, and, you know, and she was missing her craft. And, and I kind of, you know, I, I, I left her a message and said, you know, you have to learn to see the magic and everything, you know, Put on your white nightgown and go outside with a cup of coffee and walk through the grass. You know, it's the closest you can get to being naked around, you know, in a populated area. <laughs> yeah. Back home, we could do that, you know. There was, there was nobody in the woods. 
you know, you can go out in the woods and strip off there, you know, bare naked and, and do your thing out there and nobody would even know. But, you know, and but that's something that you have to learn to be stealthy with it when you're in a populated area, you know. You can still connect with nature. You can still connect with your craft as long as you, your intentions are set. Mm -hmm. you know? This is what I need to do. You know, you go, you take your shoes off and walk through the dang grass. You know, stomp in a mud puddle every once in a while. Um, you know, feel the mud squish between your toes. You know, get yourself reconnected with your nature because that's where your craft is. I mean, and that's something that my grandmother always told me is that the knowledge isn't in your head, it's in your heart. And you have to have the right heart in order to be able to do this. You know, you have to kind of know what you're doing. Yeah. But if you don't feel it and if you don't have it in heart, it's not going to do you good. Um, and, and that's what she just calls bad magic. She just, you know, just or, or dumb magic, you know. She calls it <laughs> dumb magic. If you don't know, you know, you know, because that, that's her thing is I, I want, you know, she would always say, I want you to, I want you to be a smart kid, but I also want you to know where you came from and what you're doing, you know, and, you know, never forget who you are or where you are, you know, you might not be the smartest people in the world, you might not be the most highly educated people in the world, but we're still good people, you know, and that was kind of the kind of person she was, you know, she, she would drop everything and walk out the door if somebody called her and so-and-so was having a baby and they needed somebody to help or if you know somebody would sit was sick you know she would just drop whatever she was doing and she would yell at my grandpa go get the car we're leaving you know and yeah. then like, where are we going now <laughs> so you have a, a grant a grandson right yes so are you um are you passing along any of your your witchy ways are you bringing it back now that you've found yourself home again I'm teaching him how to cook. <laughs> <laughs> you come teach me how to cook. It's not something um, he, <laughs> um, He's two and a half, so he's just now getting to the point where he's starting to want to do some of the things that Yaya does. And, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, we're, we're still learning how to stir. Uh, that's, that's a big problem for him. And that's something that, I don't know if people know this, but like in, in everyday magic, Growing up in my grandmother's house, uh, there's two ways to stir a pot: clockwise and counterclockwise. Clockwise when you want to add good intention. Counterclockwise when you want to take bad stuff out. Um, you know, and you know that, and never counterclockwise when you're baking a cake, or the damn thing will fall and it won't bake right. <laughs> um, so Carter's learning how to how to stir his cakes, and you know he's learning how to light candles. He likes to light candles. Um, my husband's kind of a little crazy about that because he's like, you're teaching him to play with fire. And I'm like, yeah. no, you're teaching him the proper use of fire. <laughs> my kids like to hold like different, um, different smudging things, you know, with the, the smoke and walk around. And I'm always like, like, don't touch the hot end. <laughs> yeah, I don't, but that's something else that's different about us is we don't, I never learned to smudge. Yeah. It was not something we did. Um, we would light candles. Um, we would burn herbs in a pot um, most most of the time in an ashtray. You know, we would burn herbs in an ashtray. Um, Did you guys? My my grandmother, who definitely um, 
like I said, she took an ax to her past the minute she walked out that door. But she, uh, one thing she does, and I'm, she's from, she's not quite in Appalachia. She's a little farther out in Kentucky. But she, um, one thing she'll do is when there is like, well, we would say like negative energy or like the room needs to be cleansed or something. She doesn't ever, she just will say like, um, like, oh, now it's all bad in here. And she stomps and claps. Like she'll just, she'll like, mm-hmm. like stomp her foot real hard and clap. And like, she's like, now just get out of here. And that is one thing. My very prim and proper and <laughs> very far moved away from her, her, um, her past. She will stomp negative energy out. She'll say, now you get out of here. You leave us alone. And she just like, that's what she does. Obviously she doesn't, she's definitely not a granny witchcraft person. Um, she doesn't even like talk about her childhood that much, but that is one thing that she does still. It's uh, when she thinks there's bad energy around, she'll stomp it out and clap it out. My grand, my grandmother would take a broom, yeah, and beat the floor. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it was to an outsider, she's kind of scary looking when she does that, you know. But it, it's kind yeah. of the same thing. She would beat, she would take the broom and she would beat the floor, and she would say get out get out get out of my house you know yeah it's like my grandma it's like she's like shooing something out you know like um I don't know like if I'm bu- but she's not she's shooing nothing she's just shooing the energy right. <laughs> but that's one thing that I catch her doing and I'm like you don't even know it's still in there <laughs> I mean walk away from it grandma <laughs> yeah well and I mean then that stuff gets so ingrained in you you know you see your grandmother do it you see your aunts and your uncles do it all day long every day you know it's just it's a way of life, and it's something that is stuck in you. You can't yeah. get it out. I mean, my husband even makes fun of me sometimes because it depends on what I'm doing. Sometimes I fall back into my old language, <laughs> and and he'll look at me and he'll say, "That hick's coming out in you today," <laughs> you know, because I mean, we had a very different kind of speech, and yeah. it. You know, and it's something that I fall back into very easily. When I go back and I visit my family, it takes about three minutes. Yeah. Before I just totally fall into dropping my G's off my words, doing half words, you know, and, you know, weird combinations of words. Yeah. <laughs> like, there ain't nobody got any, you know, and <laughs> what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and I'm like, we don't have... There's, there's none. That's what it means. There's none. Ain't nobody got any. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, it's, as I've gotten older, I've learned to accept that I come from a, a poor and, and, and kind of backwards community, you know. And a vastly magical community. Right. But I've learned that even though it's poor, that was one of the things that held our magic together was we couldn't afford to go to town. So we couldn't, you know, we didn't have the opportunity for someone to corrupt us. <laughs> we didn't have the modern world corrupting us because we didn't have access to it. Um, you know, so, I mean, we held those traditions a little closer and a little, you know, a little closer together. Um, I don't think since I've ever lived in St. Louis, have I ever heard anybody say anything about someone giving them the evil eye. And that was something that was very common where I grew up. You know, my grandmother would walk in and say, I was down at the, at the Springs today and Joe walked by and he gave me the evil eye. And she said, so I had to come home and unhex myself. 
my mom would just be sitting there because my mom was not a believer. My mom was not. My dad's family, yes. My mom, no. My mom would sit there and just roll her eyes. And then she would look at me and she'd say, come on, Sharon, let's go. Mabel's getting on her horse again. (laughs) And, and, (laughs) you know, but I thought it was great. You know, I thought the sun rose and set in both my my grandmother and my great-grandmother, you know, because I, those were people that I could be around without judgment. Um, Mm -hmm. My mom, you know, even though my mom grew up in that same kind of, household and then in the same kind of poverty level she always had it in her head that she was going other places she was she was not going to be stuck in that holler she was not going to be stuck you know butchering pigs and cows for the rest of her life and you know so I mean she kind of looked down on that and she kind of made me feel bad sometimes for actually wanting to be with my grandparents you know and wanting to do those kind of things um so a lot of times I didn't tell her I would just say I'm going to the woods and she'd say okay be home for dinner and I'd go to my grandma's house <laughs> you know I'd be down the road or whatever you know and you know just doing well, whatever I wanted to do because you know she it's not that she didn't care she always tells us she raised us with benign neglect <laughs> you know hey we were kind of neglectful of you but we didn't hurt anything you know so we were just allowed free reign and we were allowed to explore and we were allowed to explore everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that, that fails a lot of people now is, you know, and it's nobody's fault. It's just the world we live in. You know, there's, there's, there's so much modernization that you, you can't get away from it. Um, yeah. a lot of times, I mean, you have to go a long ways to get away from it. That's true. Um, you know, and it, it's something that even my kids, you know, growing up in the city, you know, both my kids grew up here in St. Louis and they, they know the mountains in Virginia. They know where they are. They know where their grandparents live, but they don't have the same ties. They don't have the same connections to walking through the woods or, or knowing the smell of yeah the mountains, the smell of the trees. Um, and I think, you know, that's, I think that's one of the weird things that's hard to convey about about Appalachian culture and Appalachian magic is that it is a lot of the nature that surrounds you is is what you use and it's and it's hard to explain the feeling of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know what the ocean smells like. You know, you know everybody can everybody can kind of get a, a sense of what the ocean breezy air smells like. But when you're in the forest, I don't know why it is, but the mountains in Virginia, the Appalachian mountains in Virginia smell different than the Rocky mountains. It's all that magic for it. And, and they, and I don't know what it is. It just is. It just smells different. I mean, even with the trees in the Colorado mountains, they smell different than the pine trees in Virginia. You know, they, it's just a different kind of thing. Um, and, I don't know. That's one of the first things that always, whenever we go back home, that's one of the first things that always catches me by surprise is things look different, but they smell the same. And looking at, you know, walking through my great grandmother's house, which is still in the family, just another person living there. There's still certain areas of her house that even though she's been dead for 25 years, 
almost 30 years now, or no, not 30. Yeah, probably 30, because I'm 46. So even though she's been dead for almost 30 years now, there's, there's her kitchen still smells like her kitchen. Yeah. Even though she hasn't been in it for 30 years. I mean, how do you get that out? I mean, or how does that happen? Um, yeah, it's all that magic. <laughs> so, you know, but I wanted to show you a really cool thing. Um, I have two, and I, I sent you pictures in the email. Um, you did. You sent me that email. Just the email alone is so good. Yeah, show me the pictures, and then, or show me your things, and then we'll do our this or that. Okay. We'll a little more about um, you that way. I have um, one of the other big differences is people always think they have to have a wand. Yeah. And I don't have a wand. I've never had a wand. Um, I have two walking sticks. Walking sticks are big deals where I grew up, um, just because of the terrain. Um, so I have two of them. One's very plain and taller than me, but I won't, I mean, if I stand up, you won't be able to see it, but I can grab it. And this one is an oak walking stick and it's about six feet tall and it has, it's called wormwood oak. So all these little lines and stuff that you see in here are actually, um, just where worms and stuff bored into it and, and ate the wood. This came off the mountain where my grandmother's house was. That's beautiful. And then this one is my walking stick that's short, like a, not quite short like a cane, but it's short enough that um, I use it as my walking stick, a staff, and my magic wand. <laughs> um, and this one also came from the wood, the, the woods at my grandmother's house. And this one is called, it's um, poplar. But I brought these, both of these sticks home and took them to my neighbor's house. And this one he carved. And I don't know if you can see that or not. Oh, I can. Yeah. He carved a man's, um, the, the green man's face. Yeah. Into this piece of wood for me. I didn't tell him I wanted this. Nice. And he just did it. I didn't know that he was going to carve that in there. Um, and it's very cool. He does these, he makes these all the time. Um, yeah. For other people. But um, he's not a witch. He's <laughs> just a carver of wood. Um, but I mean, he does really cool stuff like that. And, but that's one of the things that I just want to get across to people is that, you know, granny magic is old magic. And it's, you don't have to have fancy stuff to make it work. Yeah. You have to believe in it. Um, and one of the things that I don't know when we're going to be able to do it, but it's something that I really want to do. So we'll have to talk about this again is I want to, I want to talk about magic on the breath because I have only met one other person or two people that actually do it. And only one person that's written a book about it. Yeah. Um, and that is what, that is my grandmother's magic. That is what she typically did. I know other than the herbals and the teas and the tinctures and the salves and that kind of stuff. My grandmother's magic was mostly breath magic. Um, and it was learning how to chant and learning how to breathe and learning how to pull your magic out on the breath and send it on its way. And I think maybe it's called air magic now. I don't know. Um, yeah. I think like, and it probably now people talk about it with like, um, like, uh, energy and breath work to like expanding out your, 
like your aura field, but that's like a whole other thing. That's like a, it's like spinning it into like a new, not new age, but like a different direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now what, kind of what we, kind of what we do is it's, um, trying to think of how to explain it. You learn how to do it with a candle, believe it or not. Yeah. You put the candle in front of you and you have to learn how to control your breath, breathing in and breathing out. And, um, it's, it's a very cool exercise and learning how to control and then learning how to talk and breathe at the same time when you're blowing out that breath. Oh, we definitely have to have you. You should come, you should talk in the, um, in our, in our change of journey with your group mates. We should do that. That would be that, That's something that I think is that a lot of people would really probably, you know, cause that's something you can do anywhere. Yeah. You know? And, um, and speaking of anywhere, I am not one of those big rock collectors or a big gym or stone collector. All of mine fit in this little bag. Every stone chip or rock or key, everything I use fits in this bag. Um, and it goes with me everywhere I go. So, you know, a lot of people have altars and stuff set up at their house. I don't have an altar at my house. I have my, my altar. I guess you could say my altar is in a bag. Yeah. For sure. And I take out what I need when I need it. You know, I have pieces of pottery, you know, old Indian pottery. I have seashells. I have stones. I have a piece of cork to shut All the out. good stuff. You know, that's what my husband gave this to me. And he said, you know what you need cork for? You need cork for all those people that you don't like to shut them up. <laughs> when I do my magic to tell people to shut up, this is what I use. <laughs> that's perfect. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing all of these things with us. You, um, I just, you know, that's what I don't want. I don't want anybody to come into this and think that they can't do magic because they don't have the most expensive tools in the yeah. world or they don't have the fancy glittery, um, you know, crystals or the fancy, you know, tablecloths or author cloths or whatever. You don't need any of that. Yeah, no, you're totally don't. And thank you for sharing. I know there's so much interest in, um, in like just the, like doing things the old ways or, or whatever. But like when you're talking about the old ways, it, it wasn't, there wasn't, it wasn't a way. It wasn't like you set up all the things and you, no. you just, it was just your life. And so. No, um, we, we did grab and go magic. You didn't, yeah. <laughs> you picked up what you needed right at that moment. And then you did it right at that moment. If well, there yeah. was no casting circles or calling on deities to help you, it was the time is now the time has come. Yeah. Get on out there, get it done. I mean, that's, that's kind of my grandmother's mentality in all of this was that, you know, and that, that's a very pragmatic way of doing things. And it was based on where we lived. You know, there were very pragmatic people. There wasn't a lot of fluff around this. It was, it was down and dirty witchcrafting, you know, I mean, yep. you did what you need to do when you did, when you needed it. And then you went on with your life. You I know? love it. You might have a 10 or 15 second session of witchcraft and then you went back to shucking corn or sweeping yeah. the kitchen or whatever, you know. I love that. Well, before I, before I let you go, let's do this or that real quick. So all you gotta okay. do is choose one of the things. Try not to think too much. It's just a glimpse into who you are. They're just silly things too. Nothing. Okay. All right. You ready? All right. You just gotta pick one. Pizza or tacos? Pizza. <laughs> uh, night or day? Mmm. Day. 
<laughs> pizza during the day. Um, cats or dogs? Neither. <laughs> um, tarot cards or oracle cards? I like oracle cards. Angels or fairies? Fairies. And summer or winter? Summer. I'm with you on a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for sharing all of these. You have so many stories. You should definitely write them down somewhere. Yeah, I, and I'm, you're, you know, I'm such a chatty Kathy. I can't help it. <laughs> That's okay. I, people, I'm sure people are going to love hearing these stories because it's what we all crave. We crave that connection to just like, like your, um, was it your grandmother who said that you will go home? It might not be home, but you will. We all are like, where is, you know, that's what we want. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, well, thank you for sharing and you should, you know, if you feel called to like write this stuff down cause it's definitely needed. Um, so this is, so we're, then we're wrapping up here with Sharon over Schmidt. She is, you can find her if you want to say hello in any of our, um, well in our enchanted journey group or in our Facebook group, you can just say hi to her. Um, and, and yeah, so thank you so much, Sharon, for sharing all of this with us. I really appreciate it. Well, it was fun doing this, you know, and, and this was my first time ever doing this. So maybe in the future, I won't be quite as long winded. <laughs> it's okay. People, this is, it's good stories to share and, um, and great to see that, you know, it's not too, we, a lot of times I think too, when we think of like the old ways, we think of like, um, ancient Celts in Ireland, but that it's not always that far off, you know, yeah, we're we not that far around. off. We didn't dance around any stones in white gowns, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not that far away that we can't come back to, um, right. you know, where we were, so. I think that but, stuff would be really cool, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. And, um, and yes, we got to say hi to Sharon over in our Facebook group. And thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. All right, Sharon. And I will, I'll see you in the groups also. Okay. Okay, bye. bye. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. And thank you, Sharon, for chatting with us about your history and granny witchcraft tradition. I could listen to Sharon tell me about her upbringing all day long. Uh, if you have any questions at all, you can always find Sharon over in our Facebook groups. She hangs out with us in our Enchanted Journey program. And you can find out about that at the sistersenchanted.com forward slash Enchanted Journey. In the meantime, I hope that you have a magical rest of your day. Get out there, make it an enchanted one, and we'll see you in the next episode.